Hey, listeners, ever have trouble getting someone on the phone when you have a question about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person any time, day, or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The best part of spring cleaning is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless and then Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data, unlimited talk and text, delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone and any Mint Mobile plan and bring your own phone number. Along with your existing contacts, ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. My team here, they're on Mint Mobile, and they like it. For a fraction of the cost, Mint Mobile proved to have excellent coverage with no-drop calls or unsent texts. Plus, they make it super easy for me to activate my device just by following a few simple steps online. And bam, done. To get this new customer offer and the new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash literally. That's mintmobile.com slash literally. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash literally. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Hey, Rob, how you doing? Thanks for coming on, man. I'm psyched. The tables are turned, and now you're in the hot seat, so look out. We don't even have a table. That's how much it's turned. I know. I love it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Literally with me, Rob Lowe. Um... This is fun. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel, I, I, he's just so funny, and I always love going on his show, and to have him come on my show is um, feels really good. Um, he's always been good to me on his show, and we have fun. We just have always connected, but we've never gotten to talk beyond a seven-minute segment, and that is about to come to an end. And um, here's the thing. If you're interested in the Academy Awards, if you're at all interested in horrible music from the 80s, and by that, I mean, not just bad, I mean, horrible music from the 80s. I think you're going to um, find some interesting nuggets in the conversation that is to come. I love long form talks, don't you? Remember the old days when you could just do that? Yeah. Well, you know, talk shows were 90 minutes long when they started. You could really get into stuff. All those old clips of Carson and people just shit faced. People coming out drunk and smoking and just yammering on for quite a while, talking about people that the audience doesn't know at all by their first name. <laughs> it was good stuff. I was at Chasen's with. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. But then you get to know the restaurants. And you feel like you're on you're on the inside or something, you know. So good. Who was uh, 
Did you ever have any of the old school Hollywood guys like who, like Jimmy Stewart? Did you ever catch any of the like the true icons before they passed? Yeah, I had Kirk Douglas on the show. Oh, yeah. Of course, Don Rickles many times on the show. Yeah, well, he's yeah. Bob Newhart. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you're talking about like some of the really older guys, a lot of musicians for sure. Tony Bennett. Yeah. Paul Anka. Um. Uh, we had uh, Lou Rawls, you know, oh. Lou wasn't that old. Lou, Lou, Lou was, but Lou, Lou always was seemed old. Lou's, Lou always <laughs> seemed old. He seemed old when he was having hits on the radio. You're right. You'll never, you never find. <laughs> like, what? You're 30. How great was he? <laughs> he was great. Yeah. Nice guy. So you didn't have Burt Reynolds? No, never had Burt Reynolds on. I'm surprised no. that you never had Burt. He kind of stopped doing talk shows at a certain point. Yeah. I think he got angry or something somewhere along the way. And he, but he was one of the best ever. He was one of the best talkers. The best ever. Guys. Well, you know, the great, um, I'm obsessed and is a host of the Oscars and the Emmys and one of the best we've ever had. You, I, I, you can appreciate this. I'm obsessed when they put you in the boxes right as you're about to win or lose something. And you can see all of the actors' faces. Right. In the category. And the two, my two favorite box moments were Burt's losing um, for Boogie Nights. <laughs> where everybody thought he was going to win. He thought he was going to win. This was going to be the right. And of course he lost. And his face couldn't, if he had a thought balloon, an actual thought balloon, bang, like pop-up video, it could not have been more clear. And it was like, I, f- I knew these guys would fuck me. <laughs> what was the other one? Oh, without a doubt. It's, um, God bless him. My, my dearly departed best buddy, Bill Paxton, um, when he was nominated for Big Love. Uh-huh. And uh, that was, so he, Big Love was out and he was opposite a bunch of really great people. And um, uh, what was the show? This Dexter, serial killer yeah. show from Showtime. Right. Yeah. Um, and what is that actor's name? I'm going to think of it. Michael Hall. Uh, Michael, Hall. Yeah. yeah. Michael, right. Michael C. Hall. Michael C. Hall. Michael C. Hall, who's great. And Michael C. Hall had um, bravely battled and won like a lymphoma battle that year. They right. had to shut the show down. Remember that? Right. right. So the show was off the air for a year. It comes back and Bill's nominated and they're sitting there and he's got the, the box on him and they go. And the winner is Michael C. Hall and Bill turns to his wife and I can, because I'm a lip reader, clear as day goes, oh, the <laughs> cancer card. <laughs> <laughs> wow did anybody else pick up on that or just his friends um it was kind of a it was kind of a thing it was right before <laughs> social media was what it is today because today for sure oh yeah you don't, today, get, away, you don't get away with anything today. No. uh the yeah, the cancer card <laughs> <laughs> oh boy <laughs> yeah lucky michael yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> He gets a statue. <laughs> Bill was a great guest. He went on um, uh, Leno for Apollo 13. And, and I, I, people, I, I like when people kill it on talk shows, whether in a good way, a bad way, or weird way, as I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure you do. And he, he went on and he was, he was uh, trying to convince Jay and the Academy voters. He was, like, he was clearly playing to the Academy voters. That was it. Couldn't give a crap about getting the audience to come to the movie. It was purely he wanted those votes for that movie. And mm-hmm. he was like, 
God, it's Apollo 13, you know, the technology that went into putting that rocket up on I mean, come on, it's the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. <laughs> <laughs> He thought that I guess was, it didn't work. No, but he thought that was the way in. <laughs> there was science in the movie. <laughs> he didn't realize you just had to play the cancer card. He would have been fine. Oh, God. <laughs> he was a nice guy. I had him on the show. Oh, he was the best. He was, um, he's one of those, do you have, you have people in your life that you think about it? Well, I think about it every day because he's my good friend and I miss him, but also he was so quotable. Um, I think the last thing he did was like a, a CBS procedural version of um, the great Denzel Washington movie where he played the cop and won the Oscar for it. Um, oh, okay. Training day. Oh. Training day. Training day. Oh, right. So they did that training day. Right. Yeah, they did training day and they put Bill in the Denzel role and Bill had never done. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, they were interchangeable. <laughs> you think of one, I often get them confused. <laughs> and uh, so but Bill had never done a network TV show as I'd done a bunch of them. And I was like, Bill, how's it, how's it going? He goes, I'll never forget. He goes, I got Rob. I, we're kind of making widgets on this one. I wish the scripts were better. And I thought, <laughs> we're kind of making widgets on this one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, I got people like that for sure in my life. A lot of quotable characters. You must. <laughs> my cousin Sal being at the top of the list. My cousin Sal, we went to Mexico a couple of weeks ago. His wife, my wife, the four of us, we'd been looking forward to this trip for six weeks. We've been literally counting that day. Each day there was a text like 39 more days till we get to Mexico. So Sal doesn't drink and the other the rest of us do. We get to Mexico we're drinking cocktails. He orders like a juice of some kind. He gets sick, terribly sick, like doctor to the hotel in the middle of the night kind no. of sick. Immediately, he misses the whole weekend. And I paid for the hotel. So he really, really wanted to pay for like the meals, but he was missing for all the meals. So at the end of the trip, he, um, I find a, just a, an envelope full of cash in my in my car on the floor. He sent me a text. He's like, look on the floor of your car. And I find this envelope full of cash. There's thousands of dollars. And I'm like, this is, I don't want this money from him. This is ridiculous. So I wrap it up in a nice gift box and I send it to his son for his birthday, his son, Archie. And his son's at the table with the cake and everything. And he's opening his presents and he opens this box and there's thousands of dollars in it. Right. And he's like, oh, he gets nervous. He's like, what am I supposed to do? And sounds like, oh, that's you. Give me that money. Anyway, I got a text from Sal this morning. He's at the, um, I have an account, which is one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me. I have an account at the grocery store on the corner, so <laughs> I don't actually have to bring cash in. They bill me once a month. He's given this huge wad of cash to the guy who owns the grocery store. <laughs> he sends me a picture of him and the guy who owns the grocery store with all the money. So I guess, I, I guess I'll be getting eggs for the next like 13 years now for free. <laughs> That, that makes you feel like you're living life. You know, when you have like, you have it wired on that. Like when the yeah. maitre d's have your table ready for you or you have a thing at the grocery store, you feel like, you know. For you, sure. You, you but made this it. is kind of more of an old timey thing, I think. I think this is something that, you know, I know like my grandparents had this in Brooklyn growing up where you'd go to the butcher and you knew the butcher. And then you, you know, you'd pay the butcher whenever you got paid. You know, it was one of those things. You didn't actually shell out the cash while you were there. And I love that. 
I like old school stuff. I know you do. You kind of are a throwback that way, right? I do. Yeah. Very much. Do you still wish gentlemen wore hats? Are you one of those guys? Um, oh boy, I would love to wear a hat. I was looking at hats online just yesterday. And, but what I've learned at 53 years old, if there's anything I've learned, I've learned only a few things, but one of them is I never look good in a hat. I'm okay in a baseball hat, but all other hats, I always think they look great, especially in the store. I think that I really look good in this hat. And now I've accumulated a huge box of hats because it's great if you're on vacation because my wife will be nice enough not to make fun of me while we're on vacation. But as soon as we get back home, she's like, you're not wearing that hat um, here. And then I'll wear the hat into work. And everybody's like, oh, my God, <laughs> what are you wearing? And I've spoken to Cedric, the entertainer, about this because he's able to wear any hat he wants. And yeah. it looks great on him. Yep. But for whatever reason, it does not work for me. I I have a theory about it, too, is like. You know, they say John Kennedy killed the hat. You know that, right? Have you heard this? That, he did? Yeah, that, that Cary Grant killed the undershirt. Oh. And John Kennedy killed the hat. So Cary Grant took his shirt off in a movie at a time when all men, all of them, wore, t- wore sh- undershirts. And and Cary didn't have an undershirt. And that was the end of the end of it. Wow. And Has anyone K- looked into the possibility that the sniper in Dallas was a hat maker? Haberdasher? Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's the obvious connection. I think because Kennedy stood up in the freezing cold in his inaugural and noticed there's people storing top hats in that photograph. What do you think the age you can hit for you? It'll probably be like 130 because <laughs> you'll still look great when you're 100. But what do you think the age is where you can start wearing a hat and it's OK? Because I do think there is an age. And I think it might be associated with baldness where that's people- that's right. That's what I was getting at is yeah. Kennedy was a great and I, I say there's all respect to departed wonderful president, a huge narcissist and oh. had amazing hair. And he's like, what the fuck am I? It's the moment of my lifetime. I'm not covering up this amazing <laughs> head of hair. I have. It's not happening. <laughs> he did have great hair. Yeah, you're right. I'm telling you, that's why he wasn't wearing a hat. What do you think? Reagan didn't wear a hat, although he he does have that famous picture of him with the cowboy hat. At a really jaunty angle, because then you get into angles. It's not just enough to wear a hat. You got to figure out: are you are you going to pull off the Redford hair peeking out through the front move? Right. The Ron Howard real low, which just got lower as the years went on. Or the old guy move, which is to like literally just place the hat atop your head. It doesn't even, it's not like a, a even a, a, a weak wind will blow it right off your head because it's just barely sitting on there. It, they're wearing it almost like a yarmulke. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A yarmulke. You are a white guy, aren't you? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yarmulke. Yarmulke. We'll put an L at the end of My it. My uncle yarmulke. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm nothing if not highly white. It's, there's no getting around it. Um, yeah, it, the hat game is... It's a tough thing. I do you do you have that thing that I do where you like do you see if you, what do you think when you see a grown man carrying or on a skateboard? Well, I think I have a different opinion of it now than I used to. I used to think it was an indication that they were a crazy person. And then maybe I went through a period like, oh, he's trying look at him trying to be cool. And now I'm of the mindset. especially since like, I think Tony Hawk was on my show almost like 20 years ago. It's like, yeah, these guys have been skateboarding their whole lives. So like, it's like, it's like shoes to them. 
And you know, I do this and I don't know if you do this, but I wear the same kind of sneakers that I wore in high school. I can't wear like the Kanye, the cool sneakers that look like NASA designed them. I have to wear like the Stan Smith or the, you know, the classic Nikes with just the stripe on the side. Do you do Vans? Uh, No, no Vans for me. I don't wear Vans, but uh, You, you didn't grow up in California, though. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I grew up in Las Vegas and there were definitely people who wore Vans, but I was just not one of them. I didn't wear Vans, but uh, I I feel uncomfortable and dumb in anything that seems modern shoe wise. It's so interesting what you can pull off and what remember Kangol hats. Oh, yeah. Sam Jackson. Sam Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. Who's the only guy who should wear them. Right. For sure. I I could never do the Kangol. Yeah, no, you shouldn't. You, I mean, listen, if you walked onto my stage with a Kangol hat on, it would be the subject of the r- whole rest of our conversation. I whole. know it really would be. <laughs> I'm really? gonna what now? Just wait, just wait, because it's gonna <laughs> you. It's gonna be. Hey, Jimmy, how are you? And I'm gonna have. <laughs> I'm be Kangol out. Hold that thought. We'll be right back. If you're thinking about doing some home remodeling, check out Window World. Go to windowworld.com and check out their Windows Inspiration Guide. The guide is a dream book of page after page of beautiful windows. It's not just about how good they look. These beauties earned the Good Housekeeping Seal and Energy Star Certification. Go to windowworld.com to schedule your free consultation. Tell them you heard about it here on Literally with me, Rob Lowe, Window World, America's Exterior Remodeler. Where else can you go surfing and skiing in the same day or check out a world-class art museum and camp out under a brilliant night sky same day or hike through the redwoods and get a luxury spa treatment? There's only one answer, California. No matter where you go across this state, you will find a way to play. Look, I love California. Um... And I have not yet surfed and skied in the same day, although I do do both. So that is on my bucket list. It's the most beautiful place in the world. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. Transform your bathroom cleaning with Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner. You just spray today and rinse tomorrow for a no-scrub clean. With over 33,000 five-star reviews, this is your once-a-week solution to keeping your tub and shower surfaces sparkling clean. Available at Amazon, Lowe's, Menards, Home Depot, and Ace Hardware. Join thousands who switch to an easier clean. Get your wet and forget weekly shower cleaner today and make your bathroom sparkle with zero scrubbing. You know, here's what you need to know. Do you know that going on your show is is the we're talking about clothes is it's one of the hardest decisions I ever have to make is what to wear. It's like easier to go to the fucking Oscars than to go to go on your show. Really? Why is that? Because because it's like you know what you're gonna at the Golden Globes Oscar. You're wearing a tuxedo. You know what you're gonna do. Right. Your show. You always look so good in your suit. It's it's late night. It's night, which. You know, it has, it's a certain thing if you're dressing for the evening. Right. I would, I would posit it's even a different thing to be dressing for late night. And so you're faced with, do I go really cool club 
like out on the town club vibe, date night ending night cool thing? Or do I go, you know, adult suit like, you know, you. So I think when you make multiple appearances, which you have, you mix it up. You know, that way I don't get keep the spark alive between us. You know, I don't yes. get, I don't take you for granted. Like my dad wore a suit to work every day and you know, that's how we'd see him leave for work in the morning. And that's how we'd see him come home at night. But then on the weekends, he looked terrible. I mean, just <laughs> terrible. And I'm convinced that part of the reason he looked terrible is because we were used to seeing him in a suit for five days a week. And then when we saw him in his V-neck T-shirt with the yellow stains underneath and a pair of shorts and like those big white dad sneakers that dads wore in the garden and probably still do, um, he looked worse than the the typical guy who might be wearing the very same outfit. What if I came on in like the worst flying outfit, not worse than than I would actually ever wear myself, but as a bit like I did like the mesh, like University of Michigan, old school down to the knees shorts and flip flops. Oh, oh would I that see. be a would that be a, a thing? Like like as if I. Like was a hip hop mogul from 1997 type of deal. Yes. Like maybe even with um, slippers on, some kind of slippers on, socks perhaps, but they're oh, really yes. expensive slippers. I think I think maybe that's what it is. Is I just come on now and have you? You have to guess what I'm what bit oh, I'm trying to pull off. Interesting. Interesting. I try to guess after you've come out or I try to guess before you come out. Like, I know I get a heads up beforehand. No, like, no, okay. no. You, you, you take a gander at me coming around the curtain and you have to immediately go Rick Rubin, uh, 1990 Honolulu Bay out to lunch <laughs> at the uh, vegan I like uh, delivery place. I would love to do that. I would love to. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> you know, my, um, my old partner from the man show, Adam Carolla, he is so bad at like, he'll wear like, <laughs> he'll wear like a, like, a, and I'm not joking when I say this, like the tuxedo he had for his wedding, like the next week he was out painting in it. Like he had the, still had like the pants on. Why would he do such a thing? Because he's just too lazy to like take something into the dry cleaner and they're right there and he just put them on and he just continue about his business. And so we got to the point where, you know, we used to call him in at the last minute a lot. And we got to the point where he never knew what to wear. So we did, we bought him a suit and just kept it here for him. So when he came, he had something to wear. But the result was him wearing the same suit and the same shirt, like his first 19 appearances in a <laughs> row. <laughs> so if you ever go back and like look at, you know, like you want to look at a, a tape of something that happened years ago, it's like he's wearing the same clothes every single time. It's like his uniform. Well, you, that, and that's the other thing. There are guys that, you know, Steve Jobs, the mock turtleneck. I like that whole thing. I mean, I don't you like, like the uniform. Tur no, turtleneck, yeah. I don't like. I like the idea of the uniform. Do you? I have a hard time. I, here's where I have a hard time. This is what I thought you were getting at. I have no problem with super casual. Like, you know, I've got plenty of jeans and T-shirts and whatever. And I have no problem with a suit because it's easy. You get in the suit and here's a tie and everything always kind of matches. And But I have a problem with the middle stuff. Like if my wife yes. says like, hey, we're going to a dinner party um, and it's like around Christmas time. It's like, oh, my God, what the hell am I going to wear? I don't know what to put together. And I just need help with the middle. It's the middle that I have a terrible time with. Well, cause that's, you can, 
you can make huge mistakes right there in the middle. Sure you can. Really um, big mistakes. And can I tell you what I think the big mistake is? For what? me? What? Sport coat. Really? Yeah. I, I feel like now I'm feeling like maybe it's a mistake for me and I just don't know it. I don't. I, 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 I with the sport coat. For me. I mean, it's like go suit or boldly go without. But the minute you kind of half it with the sport coat, I think you instantly look like somebody's dad, which yeah. of course we are. Yeah. Not only, not only are we, we both have kids old enough to start having kids. We, we, could, we are, could actually be granddads at any moment. So who are yeah. we? Who My are we to judge? Will be 30 this summer. Yeah. So we pro- maybe sport coats are the answer. But what is the answer, though? What I mean, what do we do? It's, it's like you can't win. I mean, I come out of the closet and my <laughs> I come out of the closet. We've made news. <laughs> Jimmy came out, out of the, the closet on my show. I come out of the closet um, woefully heterosexual. I come mm-hmm. out and I go, I just don't, I don't know what to wear. I, you got to come in here and help me. And then my wife will help me. And I'm not convinced she was right. And then, you know what I do? And this is embarrassing. I have to say that sometimes I look at other guys at an event and I go, Oh, that's how you're supposed to dress. I'm going to try to remember that for next time, but then I never do. I think that's a perfectly fine way to do it. I here's what my wife does, and I don't understand this. Is I'll same. I come out and go. Do you like this? Do we do we think this works? And and surely be like you know great or no. But if she's in the middle with it and can't decide, she says this: Who makes it? Oh, and I'm like, really? Like if I tell you it's. <laughs> JC Penny and and you're going to say one thing but if I say it's Gucci you're going to say another but it looks the same JC Penny yeah I'm sure your closet is filled with La Tigra shirts <laughs> the Tigra. Kensington jeans Kensington <laughs> uh but but that but that's a way you could you could start thinking about it you could I just guess. purely yeah. go by like you know how highfalutin the designer is yeah and then you know I'm fat and it's like a whole thing and um I don't know. I think I'm just going to stay in. That's the thing. That's what I'm going to do. Stay home because this whole quarantine has, I don't know. It really, I used to have no problem going out to dinner three times a week. And now I I go out once I'm wiped out and I don't know why it is. I'm just out of, I don't know. Is it like a muscle or something an eating muscle or staying up muscle or something that you're supposed to have. But I went out to dinner last Monday night and I've been trying to recover all week from it. I'll tell you exactly what it is. It's um, the stimuli, the stimuli, stimulus. Mm-hmm. You don't realize, we we don't realize as a culture how much stimuli, stimulus we're getting thrown at us out at a restaurant. It's just, it's noise, it's talk, it's people, it's proximity, it's energy, and we haven't had it for a year and a half. And all of a sudden we realize, holy shit, that's a thing. Yeah, and I now understand some of these people who don't like to go anywhere. And it's always like, really, is it that terrible to go and have a conversation with people who are your friends? And I'm kind of getting it now. I don't want to get it though. I resist it. I don't want to be one of those guys, but I do, I do understand it more. I also think it's, I think it's an age thing. I mean, I, I think that there are certain things that are age appropriate and, you know, as we learn what we like and we have our lives, we've built the lives that we want and, you know, it's like we, our world gets, and I don't mean this in a bad way, our world gets smaller. Like I, I, certain things I used to want to do, I, I won't wait online anywhere for anything, period. I don't care. I won't do it. Not doing mm-hmm. it. There's just certain things I'm not doing anymore. So, mm-hmm. and, and the world gets a little 
bit smaller, but it gets better. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I don't know about the better. I think maybe better. You think it's better. I don't know if it is better because you don't have as many experiences. And I think volume of experience is probably good. I mean, I find myself listening to the same music and like I'll allow one new album into my brain per year, you know, totally. uh, otherwise it's like, what's on the eighties channel. Let's go to classic rewind or my Uh, yacht rock mix. uh, Bro. Let's okay. Yacht (laughs) rock is first. I remember the first time I, I feel like I was the last guy ever to know that to hear the term. Yeah. And hey, let me ask you this. Do you remember commercials in like the eighties or not nineties Yacht Rock, a collection, a CD collection of Yacht Rock, and they would show just kind of footage of people on the on the ocean yachting, and then you'd hear like the sounds of, um, you know, of course, Kenny Loggins and Michael McDonald and all those songs that are associated with. Do you remember that at all? I do. Because I can't find any trace of it online. None. I do remember that commercial, but did they call it, did they actually call it Yacht Rock? That's what I remember. And I, I just remember that term being very familiar when it resurfaced and thinking, oh, yeah, Yacht Rock. That's right. Oh, that's funny. Like those old CDs. And then but now I can't find the I, CD. I feel like I may have imagined it. I think it might have maybe because I had not heard it. I was really shocked. I, I I thought it was the greatest idea for a musical subgenre that I'd, I'd ever heard. If you have to pick if you have to I think Ambrosia. Oh, is probably, I love Ambrosia. I listen to Ambrosia at least three times a week. Same. That's how much I feel, I feel for you, you baby. baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Ambrosia, and you're the biggest part of me. And um, yeah, uh, I love that stuff for sure. My wife doesn't. My wife does not. She's had enough of it. Because there, well, like, there were only like 28 good Yacht Rock songs, you know? <laughs> it's true. My, my wife hates it. My, wa- my wife hates... We might be married to the same woman. Sounds like yeah. uh, my Is your wife's wife ha- name Molly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and she, my wife Cheryl hates. Um, she thinks that I like pop music, she, like pop bubblegum, which I do. I'm unapologetic. Uh-huh. I do, but I also like you know right, you know other stuff. But I love a good bubblegum hit. That's what I was raised on. That's what was Me on the too. radio. Same here. Yes, I am. I have an ability to identify any pop song from the '80s within. One to two seconds of it beginning. Same. Okay. Well, seriously, let's make, remember this and have a competition on the show. I would love to do that. Yeah. We'll have to get a third party. Because I can sometimes do it from the first snare hit. Can I tell you, this is a story I never told anybody before. I, I, I went a couple of times. I went to Gary Shanley's house for those basketball games that he used to have when I was Mm -hmm. dating Sarah Silverman. She, she'd bring me. And I, (laughs) there was an eighties, like, TV station on his satellite or something like that. And he had it on. And what he had me do is I sat with my back to the television. So I'm sitting like, oh, my back is almost touching the television. And I would wait for each song to start. And I would name it immediately upon beginning. And and he just thought it was the greatest thing he'd ever seen. <laughs> it was a weird trick. I do it once every four minutes. And uh, he got a real kick out of it. Let's do that. That will be because I honestly think it could be a blood sport between the two of us. I would I would love to. Yeah, we'll set it up. We'll get buzzers. We'll do the whole thing. We'll have to do it on your podcast because it's too expensive to oh, do on television. Right. I've wanted to do it on television. But you can't but even do the four note thing because we're going to get it within four notes. It's like it's like five thousand dollars for every song. Oh, or Jesus. Yeah. OK, we're going to do 
We'll do a special podcast. Yes. Okay. Of you and I doing this. All right. And, and, but let's think about our, 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 our years. Like I, I, cause I would, for me, yeah, I would like to go back. I would do 72. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you're, yeah. You see, I was only five and see, 72. That's, 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 that's a word. Yeah. Word so it's okay. So, but you got to negotiate me. I need a little, what's, what's the latest you would be willing to go in years? Oh, you mean the earliest? Earliest. I mean, yeah. Um, Ooh, you know, honestly, I would be very bad at, I mean, I know the songs from the seventies, but not in that way. Okay. So it's just eighties then. It's just, it's, yeah. Although I feel you're at a disadvantage, right? Right. No, off no, the no, bat. no. Listen, yeah. I was, I was stoned for half the eighties. So it's okay. like, I, right. <laughs> I, my guess is I'll probably know. That's the difference. We are both in the eighties and paying attention. I was for sure getting more fucked up than you were. So yeah. I'll know the songs, but you'll actually know the titles. Yeah, I, um, I will. Um, I, the, I would love to do that. I would. Because in the seventies, I was too young to be getting all messed up. So right. those titles, you I don't know. know. Okay, see what I'm saying? Oh, you do know. Yeah, right. I do know. I because I was young. You've got a built-in excuse, is what you're saying. When I destroy you. By the way, I, I don't want to scare you off, but I had a uh, guess the lyrics contest with Huey Lewis about Huey Lewis songs, and I beat him ten to nothing. Oh <laughs> my god! It's hip it to be blank. <laughs> it wasn't quite that easy. It was like that. We got deep into the cuts, you know. <laughs> no way. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well then, this is perfect. And the, on the way in here, I heard on the eighty station the song, which I was reminded has to be, has to be the worst song ever recorded Ooh. by anyone ever. Wow! And this is a hill I'm super, okay. I'm super willing to die on this. Can we hill. try to figure this out? I can tell you what it is. Oh, well, no! Don't tell me right away. Don't tell me. Oh, Let me okay. guess a little bit. It okay. Give me the give me the year range. Uh, I know it's eighties, but um, like as we're talking the early eighties, because there was a lot of weird stuff happening in like nineteen eighty one on the radio. The top forty was a mix. I would say it's it's late early eighties. Okay, so we're talking about pre eighty four, pre eighty four, because eighty four was the best year of all these of for music. Escape by Rupert Holmes. Oh, that's a fucking iconic genius now, song. Oh, you know Jimmy what? Kimmel. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean the Pina Colada song. I meant no him. Oh, by, him! It's a horrible song. <laughs> him, yeah. Oh, him, it's rather. horrible. <laughs> oh my god! Him, him, it must him. be him. <laughs> it's so yeah, the bad. The Pina Colada song was such a good song. It kept it. It gave life to him afterwards. Yeah, oh, that was a bad one. We built this city as okay, a song I don't okay. enjoy. Can I stop you there? Yeah. I think if you Google this subject, We Built This City has somehow been named the worst song ever. I don't get it. I like that song. Oh, really? I well, do. I think it was seen, first of all, as a some, a musical betrayal by a previously great band. I think that's part of it. Mm. I think that it is a very, very bad song is another part of it. <laughs> we built this city. And, you know, it's, it also it panders to radio in in a way that was off-putting okay and, well now um, you're making me rethink it yeah i but that's not for me it's not even in the first the hundred of bad songs wow okay tell me tell me what it was because we'll, okay, well, well let me the, it's it, it's a major group this is not a one-hit wonder it's not even okay. it's not rupert holmes it's not it's al a major stewart group. 
Major. Early eighties, major group. Hmm. I don't know. There's a lot of them. I don't, I don't, I think I'll take up too much time thinking. Okay. Then I'm going to give you the group. You're going to get it. Okay. Sticks. Oh, Mr. Roboto, a song, it's, a terrible song that I happen to love. <laughs> wait a minute. Okay. Yeah. You love Mr. Roboto. Yes. Which I because, think is 100% the worst song ever made by anybody ever, period. Yeah, I would see. I think I would feel the same way if I was like, um, you know, 17 when that song came out. And mm-hmm. But when I was, you know, really still into robots, you know, it was kind <laughs> of a cool song. <laughs> you were still into robots. You know? Yeah, Mr. Roboto is, I believe that broke up the band, that song. Yes, and with, justifiably so. <laughs> one guy, and I, because I heard one of them talking about this on Behind the Music, and I guess the deal was, you know, that one guy wanted to keep writing stick songs, and the other guy fancied himself, you know, wanting to do his quadrophenia. Right. Or Tommy. That's what happened, or yeah. The, or the wall. Definitely quadrophenia, I think he was going for there, right? right? Yeah. And. And was like, and I want it to be about the automatization of the human mind. But get it, get this. He didn't write it. He made the guy who didn't want to write it, write it, which is why it's so oh. bad. Oh, wow. Interesting. So yeah. like, you want a song about a fucking robot? All right. Adds another Jesus layer Christ. to it. I have a soft spot for that song also because uh, many years ago, when I was doing the man show, my cousin Sal again would just suddenly put that song on and he would <laughs> jump up on the desk and do a whole robot dance routine with these other two guys. And none of them are the kind of guys that you'd ever expect to see dancing in any situation. And they did the full song. They had a whole routine worked out to it, including some synchronized robotry. And, uh, and it was, you know, that's, we always loved it. That, but that's amazing. That would yeah. make me love the song, but that's an unfair connotation that you have. Yeah, I know. No, I, I know that objectively, I know that it's a very bad song, but I think there are a lot of songs like that that people go like, I know it's a bad song, but I love it. Kill Roy. <laughs> Kill Roy. You know, when they wrote that and they put that down, they're like, this is so fucking heavy. Kill Roy was here. Like that's, I mean, yeah. like it ties it all up. It all brings it together. It. Have you ever thought about, I mean, you're in the movie business. You can get things made. Have, could, I mean, would it be possible for you and I to join forces and make a feature film out of that song? Well, I think we've come up with so many bits for the sh- your show at a minimum. Mr. Roboto, the movie. If we the don't movie. do Mr. Roboto, the movie together. I am the modern man. Secret, the other thing secret. Is, <laughs> secret, secret. The, the, the vocal stylings are so insane. Secret, secret. I've got, got a secret. A secret. Over and over again. And, and I'm not sure what the secret is. I, well, and I if you had a secret, why would you be going around going, secret, secret? I've got a secret. It's like, oh, all right, we're going to choke you till you tell us. It's... And and they clearly outsourced the robot. His brain is IBM. Oh, yeah. But his skin yeah. is made by some other company in it. <laughs> is, yeah, uh, but his heart is human, I think. His heart was human. And his blood is boiling. Yeah. Boiling blood, going through a human heart can't be a good thing. No. <laughs> I'll tell you the other song I hated. You know what I and the the two common things with these songs is they have a, delusions of grandeur and aspirations of some right. other piece of business. Like it's a song, but it's a song for an opera. 
<laughs> and this was um, gonna be uh, that chess one night. Oh, in, yeah. One night sure. in Bangkok. One night in Bangkok. Yeah. Now, do you remember there were two versions of that song put out? One by Murray Head and one by Roby. And Roby was a um, a woman who was very attractive, and it was clearly just for the music video. And Murray Head, I think, was in the play Chad the musical. And so he had a hit with the song on the radio, but they came out at the, like almost the same time. And I remember seeing, because we couldn't afford MTV, we had a local video music channel on UHF and Roby was on and like, she was wearing like kind of a very loose shirt and she was very sexy and she was singing um, that song. And then it, suddenly it was also on the radio with a different guy singing it. And I got to look at the Roby thing. I don't remember Roby at all. Yeah, I'd kill you at this game. This wouldn't even be, I mean, come on now. You don't know Roby. This is not good. <laughs> and we'll be right back after this. So I came home to a little gift in my bathroom the other day from our friends at Harry's. To get what you want, you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. You know who challenged the status quo? Harry's. They saw customers getting ripped off by questionable products in the shaving industry and decided they had something better to offer. So instead of charging the same old ridiculous prices, Harry's found a way to make their beautifully designed razors, and they are beautiful, for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. Exceptional products, honest prices. That's Harry's. They have the highest customer satisfaction in shaving history and a no-risk trial. Don't like your shave? No worries. It's on them. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. And Harry's also has other self-care products that meet the same quality standards as their razors. Richly lathering, skin-softening body wash and scents like Redwood, Wildland, and Stone. And an extra high-quality, amazing-smelling deodorant for just five bucks. I love their stuff. I'm so impressed by Harry's products. All of it. It's all good. Don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash Rob. That's harrys.com slash Rob for a $3 trial set. The weather is getting warmer. It's time to ditch the jackets and sweaters for shorts and tees. But there's no need to waste money on clothes that only last one season with Quince. Now you can get high quality pieces that never go out of style. You'll be wearing year after year. Quince has all the seasonal must-haves like 100% European linen shirts for $30, performance polos, and versatile flow-knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering with the top factories, Quince cuts out the middleman and passes the savings directly onto you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. My producer recently made an order for Quince, and here's what he had to say. I'm really excited to revamp my closet with Quince. I cannot wait for my items to arrive from Quince. You know, I'm a sweater guy. I was looking at that burgundy cashmere crew neck. I love the blue chore jacket. Maybe I'll throw some joggers in there. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash Rob for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Rob to get free shipping and 360-day returns. Quince.com slash Rob. I love fast cars, but there aren't 
a ton of high performance TVs. They're certainly out here there, but when I when I get a chance to get behind the wheel of one, it's I love it. And I was blown away by the Kia EV6 GT. When you get behind the wheel of the Kia, it, it is literally like being in a state of the art rocket ship, but also comfortable. The thing goes from zero to sixty in three point four seconds. It is the premium driving experience. And of course, it's an EV. So the climate thanks you. Sirius XM provides access to over 165 channels in the vehicle. Music, sports, news, comedy, yacht rock. Let's go. Little little steely Dan going in your Kia. Come on now. So check it out today. It is the all-electric Kia EV6 GT. I had a blast checking it out. Believe me, you should do it yourself via kia.com slash EV6. To learn more, that is kia.com slash EV6. Kia, movement that inspires. Hey, what's the billboard um, record on your wall there? Now, I ju- I'm just noticing, but I can't really see it. This is, I'm, I'm in my uh, friendly neighborhood studio in Santa Barbara. Oh, I see. Okay. Oh, this uh, it's is my good. it's my spoken word album, Jimmy. I don't know why I thought you'd have you had a full recording studio in your house, but um, I guess it makes sense that you might not have. I that. mean, you know, if this show does just even fractionally better, <laughs> I'm going to build my own in-house recording your, studio. Your wife will love that. I kind of like just getting, even though it's like only f- seven minutes away. That just the it, particularly during COVID of getting in my car and driving like I actually have a job to come do this. Oh, yeah. That has got to be nice, right? Yeah, sure. That makes sense. It makes me feel like it's more real than it actually is. Yeah, we were doing the show from my house all summer, and it was kind of terrible. Um, There were some nice things about it, but it was really weird to be in the house all the time. And then, like, the weekend comes, and you're still in the house and I was getting a little crazy. I was just like, I, we have to go. I, I would, a couple of times I just went and drove around. Yeah. Where was the house when I, when I came in and co-hosted your show, you, we did it in that house. We rented that house. Yeah. You rented. That was not your house. No, that was not my house. That house had very interesting vibes. Did you ever go to that house? Yes. Actually, that's a house that a friend of mine owns and um, it's kind of a party house. Kind of. Was, yeah, it's very much a party house. It's it's a party house and a place where people work out of in the daytime. Yeah, I I I had like post traumatic stress walking in. I was like, oh yeah, I think I think I've been here with Judd Nelson. I think it was owned by like Gloria Swanson or something no. like that. Some old movie star. Yeah, somebody mm-hmm. like that. That was I had fun. I had fun doing. It's hard. It was. I remember it was hard doing a monologue with no guests. With yeah. no, no audience, not gasp, no audience. Well, if it makes you feel good, um, uh, one of our head writers, Danny, said you were the best host of the summer. Come on. Yep, he did. He loved you. I love hearing that. I had so much fun. Yeah, everybody enjoyed having you. It was fun. Do you, how, how long do you see yourself continuing? I know you've talked about, there's been rumblings that you've done, you've done it for a long time, or is well, it something? the thing is, each time I sign a contract, I am certain that this will be the last one. So I never really want to 
say, you know, but yeah. each time I think it's going to be the last one. So as far as I'm thinking right now, like, yeah, this is the last one, but I also know now my, I know myself well enough to know like that I might change my mind. If it ever comes down to the big, long, drawn out, milked Jimmy Kimmel goodbye coronation, I, can I sing Wind Beneath My Wings and cry oh, to you at the desk? That would, be, that would be beautiful. Absolutely. I think it would be beautiful. Or... You could pick a song, and I won't know what the song is, mm. and I'll try to guess it, and then you'll sing the whole I think thing. we both know it's going to be fucking Mr. Roboto at this point. <laughs> <laughs> this is your final, final episode. We got to do Mr. Roboto the movie. I mean, it's just... It's, we have to. <laughs> I mean, you should almost edit this out. It's such a good idea. We... <laughs> <laughs> no, Pete, no, this is, this is, we're, 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 we're getting the audience ready for it. Yeah, you're right. We're going to lay claim to it. We're going to get the rights. We Let's get this, the rights before you put this on. We don't want this stolen by, you know, Colbert. Anyone for that matter. I mean, Anybody. Listen, forget Colbert. I'm worried like the major, you know, I'm worried that Disney's going to steal this from us. Not when they hear the song, they'll be like, no, we're not, we're not doing this. <laughs> No, this is not. You know, it's funny. Um, once J.J. Abrams was on the show and um, he loves Jeff Lynn and ELO. Oh, me too. Who doesn't? So ELO was on the show and uh, I said, you should come. You should come to the show tonight, you know, and uh, either performing in our our outdoor parking lot. He's like, oh, great, great. I'm going to come to the show. So he comes to the show. and We're looking at the album and I was just like this album looks like every movie you've ever made. <laughs> He's like, you're right. He's <laughs> like, that's, yeah, it's kind of weird. Uh, it's a weird, like uh, artistic influence in a different art form from a musician to some kind of imagery. I thought it was very funny and uh, a nice little realization. You were, you were probably still too young, but when Star Wars came out and I was a, a, a kid and it came, actually came out for the next seven years Every commercial had a star field in it. <laughs> Every commercial. He's selling cars, coffee makers. Everything was in space. Really? Everything. You know, my Uncle Frank, whose photograph is, is behind me right now, uh, took me to see Star Wars when it came out. Well, I shouldn't say when it came out. He took me to see Star Wars like seven months after it came out, after every kid in my school had seen it three times. <laughs> and so he took me and my cousin Anne, and it was like middle of the day. I'm sure it was probably in the discount movie by then. We went to it. And of course, it was great. And we were like, oh, my God. And um, I looked over at my Uncle Frank and he was just sound asleep through the whole movie. <laughs> he fell asleep almost immediately, slept through the whole movie. And then uh, at the end, we're, you know, I think we we're clapping. We're like only two in the theater. And Uncle Frank goes, that was boring. <laughs> was boring. You were sleeping. <laughs> How did he know? You um, didn't care for it. Uh, question for you. Are you seriously the the honorary mayor of Dildo, Newfoundland, Newfoundland? I am. How did this come about? Well, you know, my sense of humor has been described as highbrow. Yes. I know uh, dry. You know, there are certain things that tickle me. That, your, show uh, is the, your show is the Algonquin Roundtable. They've of, said, that has been said. That has been said. Yes. And uh, it came to my attention that there was a town named Dildo in Canada. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed this and I started, I decided to run for mayor. I found out they didn't have a mayor and I decided to become mayor of the town. And for about two weeks, it's all I talked about. 
And then I had a big plan to go there. And I was going to go there last summer. They have these dildo days. It's like a festival there. Oh, man. And um, then COVID hit and I was unable to go there and kind of it screwed the whole thing up. But I am going to go there sometime. And they've also they told me I can have they've given me a plot of land. It's a very small plot of land, but it's like enough for like me to park my RV on because I think I should have property there. And I'm hoping I don't know if this would get me like dual citizenship or what, mm-hmm. but I do want to spend some time. I think of them as my people. Well, no, and nobody can accuse you of being a carpetbagger because you actually have land there. That's right. And I um, I bought them a, a sign much like the Hollywood sign that says dildo that they put up in the hills. So oh. uh, it's something for people to go see and take pictures with. And actually, weirdly, like their tourism increased by some like, Huge multiple people started going there just because it's a beautiful town, but it's named Dildo, you know. I think that's the greatest thing. I that's one of your greatest accomplishments. Forget hosting the Oscars and your long running show and all that. What it tell me about the Oscars? What was your what's your takeaway from the Oscars after hosting the show? Yeah, it's um, it's like being um, at a wedding you weren't invited to. Mm. it's like you're part of it but you're not really part of it you're the hired help it's kind of like being the dj at a you know at a graduation or something you know and um except for i think i made more as a dj at parties when i was in college than i did the Oscars. that's the thing that people don't realize is they don't realize (laughs) it's not a a particularly paying gig it's funny because it used to be a thing where like, yeah, it's great. You know, a lot of people see you and it's a great opportunity and this and that. But the truth is now it's just like, it's an opportunity to have your life torn to shreds, to have people like rummaging through your, the garbage of your, your existence and pulling things out and, and attacking you. And, uh, and then afterwards, like if you do a great job, you get like, Hmm, okay. (laughs) And <laughs> that's about it. But if uh, if there's even a moment, I mean, by moment by moment, you get people like looking at your and I'm not talking about just myself. I'm talking about any Oscar host. You know, you like they'll be doing a monologue and people are commenting on each one of their jokes as you go. And like, is this the way to watch something? Is this the way to appreciate comedy you're writing about what you're hearing as you're hearing it i mean like you wouldn't write a movie review like that would no, you, you with your you, laptop out yeah you go on these websites these and it's like uh 12 3 p.m kimmel tells a joke about harvey weinstein it bombs yeah right <laughs> it's like that's like that's the thing 12 3 p.m now what it's like it's insane it's not even it bombs it's not a, a, even as objective as that <laughs> they don't even the response of the audience is not sufficient. It's how they, how it hit them. Not a, you know, they could hear everyone laughing and it, and decide that it was not a good joke. Also, the you know, the more at the beginning of the night, everybody's a winner, a potential winner in the right. audience. So, but you start getting categories start going by, and now people have lost and realize their movie doesn't have any traction and whatever. And then it's got to be even harder to make people laugh tense and disgruntled. But I, I will <laughs> say, I'm um, just honestly, I mean, without joking, it's like that those doing those Oscar shows and the Emmy show that preceded it. I did the Emmys and then the Oscars like three months later are some of the things I'm most proud of doing because I, we really, and, and I say, I, I am speaking on like about our writers and our producers. Like we put so much work into it. 
But you know, when you do a show every night, you're, you're doing a show every night. You can't, every show can't be a hundred percent. It just can't, it just doesn't work that way. If you can get it to 85, you're doing really well. So, um, but for us, we wanted that one to be a hundred. And, um, unfortunately at the end of the first one I hosted, they had the wrong, uh, envelope. So it made it, it created the impression that something that, you know, the Oscars was some kind of a, a, a disaster when the truth is it was going great until the very, very end of the show. And, and by the way, and it's not on we can argue about whether it was a disaster or not, but it isn't your fault. And a lot of people didn't understand that or they willfully didn't understand it. And I do find myself every once in a while in an interview having to explain to the person like, well, you realize I had absolute, I had just as much to do with that as you did, right? Well, <laughs> like I was sitting in the, I was in the audience when that happened. I wasn't even backstage. There's literally no way I could have been involved in well, that. Every year when the Oscars come out, they do top 10 embarrassing Oscar moments. And I'm always number one still. Always. Right. We always. Gotta, we got to help. We got always somebody to do something to topple that. Oh, maybe I have a great idea. Whoever does, whoever, when we get nominated for best song for Mr. Roboto, yeah. whoever sings that will probably beat you. Well, if they just sang the song straight, they should. <laughs> but see, but what I want to tell these people is like, look, I'm a, when I did my song and dance number with, with Snow White, I'm a, I want to say, first of all, Marvin Hamlish wrote it. Right. <laughs> I'm 22 years old. Oh, wow. Whatever I am. Holy what am I the Academy, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. Isn't that funny? What am I supposed to say? You guys are idiots. Um, and <laughs> yeah, well, it turns out, do- yeah, that's what you're supposed to say. I mean, that's funny. When do you realize when in your career did you realize, oh, maybe these people that I assumed really know what they're doing don't actually know what they're doing? Was there a moment? That was one of the big ones. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess that would be. That was big, yeah. was one of one of the big ones. And, and I say to this, I say, wait, how is it that I'm. If not at the top of the list, near the top of the list, when the Oscars can't even figure out how to get the right envelope into the right people's hands for best <laughs> picture. And I'm the problem. <laughs> the hell? I would have thought that would have been the end of it. No, maybe because yeah. it was Warren and he's so beloved. He didn't do anything either. And he was smart, man. He was really smart because he wouldn't let go of that envelope. When we were backstage, people were like, oh, yeah, let me have that envelope. Let me see. And he's like, no, no. If you want to look at the envelope, I'm holding it right now. Go ahead and look at it. And I saw it. And it said La La Land. <laughs> it said Emma Stone on it. You know, he read what was on that envelope he was given. It was confusing because it also said Emma Stone and it was best picture. But I know one thing. So what I exactly is, what what exactly did happen? What happened was this. It's a little bit complicated, but Emma Stone won no, no, best I, actress. It would have to be complicated to to have happened. If it were so, simple, it wouldn't have. There's there are matching envelopes on each side of the stage. That way, the producers don't have to figure out in advance of the show where the entrances are are going. If they want to, if they cut for time or whatever, they want to have the option of um, bringing the stars out from either side of the stage. So there are two matching envelopes that say best actor, that say best actress, that say best picture, etc. all the categories. Well, what happened was they didn't skip to the next envelope on the left side of the stage. So when it came time for best picture, they handed Warren Beatty the envelope that said, um, 
best actress. That was for best actress. It doesn't say it on the envelope, just says Oscars on the envelope. And uh, he went out and that's the one that he read. Wow. And Faye Dunaway was the smartest of all because when it happened, she got the hell out of there. She made a beeline for the back and she was gone. <laughs> it was Warren was being interrogated. People they presented together. Warren was being interrogated for like an hour after the show. And Faye Dunaway was already at the in and out burger on the corner by her house. You know, she was gone. See, this is why I didn't take Charlie Sheen up on his offer one year when I was giving the Emmy to best mm-hmm. comedy actor and Charlie was nominated. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't talked to Charlie in years and years and years, even though we grew up together. And I'm driving to the ceremony. I'm in the tuxedo. Phone rings. It's Charlie. He's like, hey, so why? You're, you're doing my category. I go, yeah. Because, you know, the odds in Vegas of me winning are 20 to 1. I go, yeah, no, I, it's going to be Alec Baldwin again, for sure. <laughs> and he's like, so here's the thing. I'm going to put a bet down that I win. You read my name. I'll give you half the money. <laughs> and I was like, what? He's like, we will, we, you and I will make $10 million in one night. <laughs> and I go, and I laughed it off and he called me, he was dead serious by the way. And I was like, Charlie, if I read your name, but it says Alec Baldwin, what are we going to do about the envelope? What are we going to do about the card? And he was like, I'll make a ruckus. <laughs> and everybody was, and, and then you eat it. <laughs> I ate it. I actually did that. I uh, went, I, I had that very thought. I went out on stage at the Emmys one year and I said, you know, I can read any name I want right now. I don't have to read the name that's on this card. In fact, I could eat the card if I want. And I did. I ate the card and um, everyone laughed. And then I announced the winner. But it, you really could do that. The problem is, is that when they figured it out, I mean, if he's betting that kind of money, which I don't think you even can bet on a, an award show, I think they have they have limits on that because there are people who know. But if you're betting that kind of money, I mean, somebody's going to bre- at least break your legs afterwards, if not kill you. I don't think he thought it that far through. Yeah, maybe not. Well, that seems to be an, a recurring theme in his life. <laughs> I mean, I, I thought it was. And then and then it was, well, can you hold it up to the light and see the name? <laughs> and then I could get a bet. De- it was all that cr- kind of crazy. <laughs> no, you can't do that either. <laughs> but see, it's so funny that it just is something as simple as there's a stage manager forgot to move the envelope. It's, that's what it is. Yeah. No, in or this it case, is. it was the accountant. It wasn't the stage manager. It was um, the accounting firms keep tight grip on that sort of thing. And it was a guy who weirdly looked a lot like Matt Damon and who knew he was re- he knew he was responsible but he wasn't so quick to say it backstage. He let he let Warren kind of simmer for a while. He let people because at the, the beginning, people were like Warren is getting up there. Warren made a mistake. That's probably what happened. That was the theory going on. I was just kind of like, well, that's a weird mistake to make. I mean, that's a really that's an awfully specific mistake to make. There's a great photo. Busy Phillips is a friend of mine, and she was there with Michelle Williams, who was nominated there in the front row. And there's a great photo. Have you seen it of people's reactions? I think maybe I saw it's, it a couple of years oh, ago. Oh, it's so ago. good. It, yeah. it, it, people are like covering their face, their mouths. <laughs> By the way, that's what Barry Levinson looked like in the audience when I was singing to Snow White. He looked <laughs> exactly the same. <laughs> 
I was in the audience too when it happened and I didn't know what was going on. And I have one more bit to do with Matt Damon. And he goes, uh, something's going on. And I was like, well, what's going to say something? Why is the stage manager on right in the middle of the stage? And he goes, I think they read the wrong winner. And I go, huh? And he goes, I think you better go up there. (laughs) Really? He's like, yeah. I was like, yeah, I guess I do have to go up there. I'm the only one who's mic'd. I mean, I didn't know what was happening, but I had to go up there and mediate, I guess, or tap dance until they straightened it out. That's, I mean, that's Oscar history. Yeah. I mean, like enough with the streaker behind David Niven. Enough. (laughs) Enough. Enough, which I'm convinced was staged. (laughs) You think so? Oh, 100%. You know why? Why? Because they just too, they, it's just too facile and quick, the cropping. Oh, I see. Okay. The camera angle is like preset to not show anything offensive. Ah, interesting. There's no fumbling for, do you, do you know what I mean? I just, I call bullshit on that. You mean it was just shot too well? Shot too well. Yeah. I mean, the minute he was there, he was on camera. The minute. Not like what's going on. What's hey? What, what? What? Camera three, camera two. What? Oh, there it is. None of that. It was like boom, and perfectly cropped, not to offend anybody. I'm like, eh, it's bull. Even as a <laughs> six year old in Ohio, I was like, eh, it's Hollywood bullshit. <laughs> You're a very cynical six year old. Well, this has been so fun. I uh, when um, what writer are we going to put on this uh, Roboto thing? Or we we still want to even give that away? I don't think. I think we got to bang this out ourselves. I don't know if we can trust this to anybody. I, I, I agree. Think this has to be a a real cone of silence. I think so too. Yeah. Um, should I, should I try to crack an outline and get it over to you later? Every time. Oh, when we go in to pitch it, we'll go secret, secret. We have a secret. You we'll cannot like, find out <laughs> until we tell you, until we tell you. I'm so glad. I really think this is going to bring the movies back. This is going to be the thing to do it. It is. No streaming theaters only. No, if, if ever there was anything meant to be, experience communally it's the mr roboto movie yeah kilroy kilroy i hope there's somebody out there who's never heard the song or heard of this song who now is going to listen to it and experience it for the first time and think of us and can i tell you no matter it again like i said this hill i will die on all day long as bad as I'm saying it is, it's worse when you listen to it. You can't <laughs> believe it's a real song. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's no hymn. I think we have the slug line for our poster. You can't believe it's a real song. <laughs> or ellipses or movie exclamation mark. Wait, here's the real question. Are, what are we going to do about billing? Or are we going to go what they call towering inferno billing? Well, I think I don't think I don't think anybody's going to be interested in me being in it. I think I'm going to have to be like a behind the scenes guy. Oh, I mean, I would love to be in it if the director you can't do feels like that it's, I mean, I think. Well, I would listen. I believe me, I'll, I'll be happy to be in it. But I have a feeling you get the starring role and I'm like, um, like the technician, like we, you know, we need more uh, circuit boards. Uh, Johnny, go get them. And then you just see me run off and maybe see a little bit of my ass. Circuit, crack circuits. As I go. We need the circuits. <laughs> the worst song in history is now a major motion picture. Oh, that come on. <laughs> I actually, by the way, I would act, I'm not kidding. I would watch that. If that were <laughs> I would, me too. Wouldn't you watch that? I watched the hell out of that. Absolutely.
<laughs> All right. I'm, uh, I'm calling my people. Okay. Yeah. Call your people. I'm calling my people. And um, hopefully I'll see you soon with an audience. Yes. Yes, I'm looking forward to seeing what you're dressed in and um, all of that stuff. Yes, 100%. Thank you. This was so much fun. Thanks, Rob. That was fun. I enjoyed it. Secret, secret. We've got a secret. Thanks, Jimmy. Take care. This show is over. It's over, over. You could almost do it with anything, right? I think I'm leaving. I'm leaving, leaving. You could do it with anything, really. I think I'm going to, that's stuck in my head. How many of you are right now going to try to listen to that awful song? A lot of you are. And I, I wonder if I hear from Styx. How cool would that be? I think it'd be cool, actually. Uh, I, guys, that was so fun. I, I This is the part of, of doing the podcast that I like where I just get a, a, somebody on and we just bro out and have fun and talk crap. And um, I could have done that for another hour. All right. It is time. For the lowdown line. Hello, you've reached literally in our lowdown line, where you can get the lowdown on all things about me, Rob Lowe. 323 570 4551. So have at it. Here's the beep. Okay, our names are Anna, Kaya, and Mahi. We're from Atlanta, and we want to know if you could go back to the past. In hindsight, what role would you stop yourself from playing? Aw. You guys are interesting. Come up with that for me. From Atlanta, my favorite city. Um, I'm going to say, what role would I stop myself from playing? Mm. This is a good one. I've been stumped by a trifecta of gals from Atlanta. Stymied. Struck wordless. Um, I never really wanted to play Youngblood. I did. People like it. I don't think it's that. I, 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 oh, look, I, okay, I'm just going to go with this. I would stop myself from hosting the MTV New Year's 1985, 86. One of them I hosted and I was still drinking heavily. And I told them that by the time I was on on the, the Western time zone, I'd be drunk. It's New Year's Eve. They're not paying me enough not to party. And of course, by the time it got to, and I just found a picture online of Martha Quinn and I, these, by the way, from the sound of your voice, you're not going to know who any of these people are. You guys sound youngish, but they're the original VJs. You know what a VJ is? They don't even know what that is. Uh, do you know what MTV is? Okay, they used to. You ready for this? Hang on. MTV music tele used to play music. Yes, once upon a time, and 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 that New Year's Eve was the biggest. It was even bigger than Anderson Cooper's New Year's Eve. It was that big. That's how big it was. Um. Anyhow, anywho, um. It was before anybody cared about anything. And I think people liked that. I was kind of like, hey, just welcome to 1983, two, one. And they were, they were counting down. I was still doing some dumb speech they wrote for me. So I, I'm going to go with that. I would have, I would have jumped in front of myself and said, um, why don't you let somebody else do MTV New Year's 1986? Um, anyway, I hope you enjoyed it and come back next week. Cause we got more fun up our sleeves here on literally. You have been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe. 
Produced and engineered by me, Devin Tory Bryant. Executive produced by Rob Lowe for Low Profile. Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco. And Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Stitcher. The supervising producer is Aaron Blair. Talent producer, Jennifer Samples. Please rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts. And remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.